All right, welcome to the first podcast ever of Civil Tension, conversations with contentious intent. We are civil, not polite. We are civil, not politically correct. And I would like the host to introduce themselves, would you please? My name is John Guanzi. I am your co-host. I'm Tom Sellers. I'm your other co-host. And I'm Peter Galt, your host of this insane, crazy madness. And I would like our committed conversationalists to introduce themselves if they would. Uh, Bill Hassey. Bob Gibbons, more committed than conversationalists. <laughs> and Tim Stewart, I should have been committed long ago. Great. Well, thank you very much for joining us here today. Uh, the rules on this con uh, podcast are simply to respect the integrity of the conversation. Absolutely no topics will ever be off limits. Uh, we want to explore civil conversations no matter how contentious the topic may be. Uh, we felt that uh, this first podcast is, is important to uh, explain why we're doing that. And uh, as a matter of fact, uh, one of the folks sitting in, Dan, uh, had uh, suggested we explain to everybody why we're having these types of conversations. A little earlier this week, meeting with your co-hosts, uh, Tom and John, John did a great job of defining this a little bit earlier. John, would you like to fill in with that? Sure, I'd love to. The basic reason for this conversation is because we as a nation are losing our ability to agree to disagree that we are losing our ability to engage in the conversations and the content of our times that matter in such a way that we can part as friends and still as fellow countrymen. The main issue that we're having right now is that people just simply are not talking about the things that really count. They're not being engaged and maybe in some small way this is an attempt to reverse the trend on the tightler cycle and that is that we are full steam ahead toward apathy. That if we can come together and begin to engage in a conversation about things that are important and walk away as friends and engage in a, a heated debate that's civil, but yet continue to live our lives in, in liberty, that maybe we've accomplished something. We can't continue as it is right now. The national dialogue is simply not sustainable. Agreed. And this is, uh, this podcast is also born a little bit out of a group called Friday Mornings with Pete, which is a group of people that come together for the specific reason, just to actually share some camaraderie and have open, free discussions and not be afraid to share what's on their mind about a particular topic. And there are, you know, again, no reprisals for sharing your beliefs, your opinions, putting them out there. It's, it's a good place. It's not a safe place. I'm not a believer in safe places or safe spaces. Our, well, my belief is our forefathers did that for us when they created our Constitution. You know, the very First Amendment is the safest space you could possibly ever have, and they did that for an entire country, an entire nation. And uh, what I'd like to hear, uh, especially from our committed conversationalists here, is why you feel this type of forum is important. Uh, Tim. Well, first of all, I, I couldn't agree more. You, you mentioned that people are not talking about things that count. I think we're not talking. Uh, we're getting lost in our electronic devices. We're getting lost in our music. Uh, if you've been around a, a, a child or a teenager today, if they don't have their earbuds in listening to some type of music or having some noise going on, they're not they're just not focused. So um, the only thing that matters to a lot of 
people today is, you know, what's going on right now? They're not planning for the future. They're not looking at the future. So they're not talking about the future. And if we're not talking about the past, we are destined to relive it. And I think that's a very, very solid point. Absolutely agree. Bob, what would you like to say? Um, well, I think as what you mentioned before, where we're trying to um, return to the founding of our country, to return to the constant, return to the Constitution, which established a safe space. Um, in seventeen, uh, in seventeen eighty nine, when they were debating the Constitution and Constitutional Hall in Philadelphia, um, there was a lot of contentious debate. People hated each other in that room, but when they adjourned for the day, they would go to the local bar and share a pint. They would all gather around and uh, they would enjoy each other's camaraderie because they were all smart men. They were all people that could um, could um, in, enjoy that. Uh, Thomas Jefferson uh, once uh, once remarked that politics, um, basically he said that politics is a silly reason to lose a friend over. Just because somebody has a disagreement with you in opinion doesn't mean that they can't be your friend. And I think that's absolutely true, and I think that we should take from his example. Absolutely. Bill, what do you think? You know, I agree with Tim and, and, and John, and, and of course, occasionally with Bob. He was right last week a couple of times. <laughs> technology, you know, has, has come a long way very, very quickly, and with that, uh, we haven't developed social skills and, and how to use it um, in, in more positive manners. Uh, we just kind of run with it and use it for whatever purposes uh, that we want in and of ourselves. We can be who we want, say what we want, and we can hide behind things or, or we can be very open and vocal. But, um, you know, there's good and bad to technology, but it has taken away from the one-on-ones and the, and the personalization that um, those of us here in this room, have, uh, except for Bob again, have grown <laughs> up with because, we, you know, we obviously were there when the dial phones were, you know, spin dials. But... Um, so I think that's that's a lot of the issue there too. It allows people instant gratification, getting that information that they so want, and it has has brought that to the forefront of this is you know now I got to have this all the time, um, and you, you don't have the patience we used to see in the past with with the older generations, you know. So you know, but technology is also good because we do not just crave the information, but it's important to get that and get it quickly in order to be able to learn how to deal with it. Uh, agreed. Agreed. Tom. Yeah, and I, and expanding on that a little bit, I, I, I agree with what's what's been said to this point, and I think I, I add a little bit in that. One of the reasons that I've been part of this group is is just the idea that we have some dissension. We have differing views. Um, not to pick on Bob anymore, <laughs> but it could happen. No, I'm um, Bob brings a, a view that is more in like what my kids are, which for me is important. I may not necessarily agree, in fact, in many cases I don't, even with my kids, but I want my kids to have an opinion, right, wrong, or otherwise, I want them to be able to express it. And in order for me to effectively communicate with them, I know I'm not gonna change their mind, and that's okay. I'd like to be able to understand the whys, and that's what I take out of this most of the time. I agree with you, and the, and the whys, the whys, not, not W-I-S-E, but W-H-Y-S there, is, are very important for me because I've I've become more and more disenchanted with people in general, 
and with our society as it is because we have lost the ability it seems to me to have a conversation and disagree and be okay that mm -hmm. we're disagreeing we've gone right from this is my opinion this is what i think and if you don't agree from me i'm agree with me rather i'm going to just pound you like right now we're moving right from disagreeing to violence we've lost civility and which is again what this is all about it's, you know civil well, tension well the whole intolerance issue is the, is the thing that bothers me the most and by intolerance i mean i i expect and and welcome other opinions. I do. I'd like to know where other people get their mindsets from. What I don't like is the suppression of, of, of differing ideas. And like you just mentioned, how many times we've been on Facebook and somebody posts something, good, bad, otherwise. 45 people, a guy doesn't even know. Let's call him an SOB and every other name on the planet. And, and if I get off of Facebook out of my basement, I'm going to come over and kick your butt. Seriously, <laughs> that's what we've devolved to. And that's why things like this, I think, are important. Uh, because again, we have a we have a large group here every Friday. Not everybody's going to share the same opinion, but every time we walk out of here, I promise you, everybody that was in here has a different opinion or at least an understanding of opinion they didn't walk in with. Mm -hmm. One of the things that's really important is that is something that Peter just said with regards to, and I, Tom, you said it as well, with regards to the why. Mm -hmm. It's one thing to know what it is you think, and it's okay to know what you think, but sure. the more important element is to know why it is you think it. And so many times, especially in talking with younger people, which my personal experience has been, they tend to be more activist-based and more activist-minded, is that they have their talking points, they've gone through their social media and their buzz feeds and all the rest of it. They have their talking points, they make their point. They are already talking in regards to what it is they are supposed to say, not in response to what you have contributed. And then, boom, they move on. And it's in the details of why do you believe what you believe? Why are you this kind of a thinker versus that kind of a thinker? That's where it's all being lost. Once upon a time, I, I knew a fellow. He, I consider him to be a friend of mine. I consider myself to be a, a constitutional conservative, a conservatarian, whatever it is you want to, whatever you want to call it. I would describe him, and he would describe himself as a socialist, Marxist slash anarchist. You probably weren't going to find two disparate opinions in the room. He somehow found his way being related to me. That's a whole other story. <laughs> <laughs> the reason I mentioned that is, is that he and I would find ourselves at various family functions, and you want to talk about two guys that could clear a room, we could do it. But this is the reason I mention it. It's not the importance of what he said or I said, but the fact that two men could sit in a room across the table and contentiously and vehemently and passionately support our positions and argue for our position and walk out of that space not dragging the other one out by the heels. Because this is really what it comes down to. We talk about, hey, if I ever get out of my basement and get off Facebook, I'm going to come kick your butt. We have two choices in this world. You can either talk, engage in conversation, and live in liberty, or you can then force compliance, which means if... Complete if, loss of liberty. Complete, complete loss, loss of liberty. If someone tries to force me into something, I'm going to do everything within my power and means to stop him. If, and someone would do the same thing with me. And that's part of the human condition. That's part of the human Tell condition. Tell me I can't do something and then watch me do it. Just, just leave me to my liberty and exactly. leave me alone. And reverse, reverse, reverse psychology. 
right? the, the only thing I have to say at this point is everybody has agreed to this point. So where's the contentious part where's of this? The contentious uh, part? Oh, we'll get there. That's in the topics. <laughs> yeah, that's in the topics. Well, that, but, that, but that's the thing is, that, you know, why why have we gotten to the point where it's so divisive right. to share your own opinion? Well, you know, um, I would, or to not be acceptable of others. The, the answer I have to that is we've become a, it's all about me society. Yeah. It's all about me. And if you don't agree with me, then you're, there's you're a problem here. You're an yeah. idiot. You're, you're whatever. Um, we, we've lost every, every argument, uh, every position. N neither party is 100% right. Neither party is 100% wrong. But we have gotten to the point of believing and standing up that we are 100% right. Regardless of, of our affiliation, exactly. Regardless right. of our uh, our belief, our our background. I grew up in agricultural Nebraska. All right, we trusted everybody who drove into town. Uh, my dad needed a part welded one day, and the welder was sick, and he, he stopped in for coffee before he went over to use the welder's equipment because no locks were ever locked in our town. And uh, he said, "Is anybody here better at welding than I am?" And this stranger from the counter said, "I'm a welder." And uh, he said, you any good? He said, about the best damn welder you've ever seen. Guy's name was Murphy. He said, well, come on over and prove it. Well, what would it have taken Dad probably two hours to do it? He did in 15 minutes. And then Murphy left 17 years later. <laughs> uh, it was one of those things that we, you got adopted into it. Today, we don't even know our neighbor. Uh, we don't know who's – we had a new family move in across the street from us, and I, I – Tried a couple of times to have a conversation, and they're just all, you know, we're too busy right now. We'll, we'll have this. We're not taking the time to be relational anymore. Mm -hmm. It's just all about our point. We make our point, and then we, we move on to the next thing in life. I think um, it's very well said, but I, I do think that um, the reason we see a breakdown in communication is for a variety of reasons. And one of them is that half of all talking is listening. Uh, too often, we don't want to hear what the other person says. And uh, from that comes a lot of, uh, because of that, there's a lot of generalization uh, where, you know, all Trump supporters are Nazis. All Hillary supporters are Antifa and uh, communists. And we, and we, we get down to, um, we get down to those and just the communication level erodes. You can't have a decent conversation if you come into a conversation thinking somebody is opposed to liberty and you're always right. And you you absolutely can't do that. And um, I think that's one of the things that this program hopes to uh, fix or um, fix or um, uh, just basically to um, ease the flow of conversation. Well, one way to start to fix that is, is if you're having a conversation with someone, are you actually listening to them or are you thinking about what you're going to say next? Exactly. Mm -hmm. and, that's, and that's an easy uh, test yeah. for anybody to do, and we're all guilty of it. Absolutely. Um, you know, because really our opinions are based on the interpretation of the information we receive. You know, and, and that's how we develop them. And, and say, then, that, say that again. Our interpretation, uh, our, opinions, our are, opinions are derived from the interpretations of the information we receive. Or we accept, and, and we choose, right. and we choose where we get that information from, right? So it, it, it so we have morals, values, beliefs, uh, you know, and what we do is we look for uh, information and channels of information that come to us that help solidify our beliefs and thoughts, which is confirmation bias. 
Yes. It is extremely Absolutely. difficult to escape your own confirmation bias because to do that, you have to engage then. If you want to, in an uncomfortable conversation. And, you know, there is, you, Tim, you talked about growing up in, in um, rural Iowa? Nebraska. Nebraska. Sorry, I don't know why. That's amazing. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Oh, you know, wow. There's your contention. Yeah, right, right, right there. Right there. Corn husker. Um, no, I, was but, I was born in America. Yeah, there you go. I was too. Uh, I grew up in Independence, Missouri, which is There was only just 28 states of, then, right? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, outside of Kansas City. And growing up, it was so incredibly common to see trucks going down the road or coming to school with gun racks in the back. You thought absolutely nothing of it. With Even guns going, in them. Guns in them, yes. Not just the racks, but actual guns in them. The windows of the back of a pickup truck. Right. And it was nothing to actually even see kids drive up, park when you got to high school who were driving that had guns in the racks in the back of their trucks. It's just the way it was. There was no fear. There was no alarm. In fact, when I was in grade school, I remember we had a guy named Officer Friendly, who I think they still have that program in some areas, yeah. but this is going back a long way. Yeah, he's not so friendly. Anymore. Not so friendly. He's probably a little <laughs> jaded at this point. But we actually had gun safety units, and I think it was like second grade, third grade, fourth grade. Uh, and we were only, you know, I think we're bringing in BB guns and 22s. And, and you think about, okay, well, a 22 could actually cause some harm, but it was part of the culture you trained into it. Now, you say the word gun now, just the word, and people go insane. Oh, my gosh, no, 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 no. In fact, we just had, and my, my wife was even, she's very, very, it's funny because my wife and my daughter are actually super anti-gun. And in my house, I have a lot of guns. There is probably some type of, of a handgun, rifle, shotgun, probably within a few feet of reach, almost in no matter what room I'm in at this point. But and, and again, now people say, oh my God, you don't lock up your guns. You know what, my, my kids are all grown. They understand gun safety, whatever. <laughs> um, but my, my whole point is my wife got on a tangent when we were talking about the fact that one of the local gun shops here just got robbed right. the other day, yeah. 3.45 in the morning. So why, why aren't they locking these things up? You know, that, that just put guns in the hands of people that can't use them. You know, they're going to go in whatever hands they go in. But the point is, culturally speaking, you can't even have this conversation civilly without somebody flying off the handle and then saying, well, then no one can have them and we should take them all completely away. Uh, that's just one tiny example of having a simple civil discussion. And, and again, between my wife and I, which did not end in bloodshed, thankfully, I would certainly lose that fight. I'm glad you're speaking again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, but um, again, it's these, these conversations that we need to have, that we want to have, it just drives me nuts when I see people going out like Antifa or uh, white supremacists. Again, we have the First Amendment. I'm a huge believer, probably similar to John in being a constitutionalist conservative. We have the Constitution. We have the First Amendment, Second Amendment, all the way down the list in support of what our freedoms are and what the people who founded this country felt needed to be. 
uh, I think politically we've just gone so wrong as far as what their views were, or maybe not wrong, but just so awry. Um, it's okay to say that it's wrong, and the reason that it's wrong is because of the personal tension that we have in this country, and it's felt at an individual, if you will, peace part level on the part of the individual citizen. Right. Mm -hmm. And that because we don't have the option of civil discourse and conversation, because we are losing the ability to live in liberty, as I see to be called by my God to live, and you yours, and so on and so forth, if you don't have that, it must be an all or nothing proposition. Right. There must be a winner, there must be a loser, and there absolutely yes. must be that if, if you, depending on the issue, if you try to subvert me and put me into some form of slavery or chains or subjugation to your will, I have to stop you, which means there has to be a body on the floor, either yours or mine, and that's not the way this was intended. And that is exactly what has gone wrong. There is a friend of mine, we used to do a little bit of mountain biking together prior to this last presidential election. He was very much in the camp of one candidate. I was very much in the camp of a different candidate. We proceeded to go for a ride. We agreed to disagree, what have you. One, one person's guy won, the other person's gal lost. And what occurred was the friendship dissolved. And see, isn't that just a Boom. sad and that, and that's just, just that in itself? Right. And how much tension, though, do people feel when they pick up the news and they look at the, their, their phones, they look at this, they look at that, and they feel tension, they feel stress. And so what? They get to the point where they can't take it anymore. They take the phone, they put it down, say, I'm done. I'm going to become apathetic. I'm not going to go vote. I'm not going to be informed. If I do vote, I don't know what I'm voting for or who I'm voting for. I'm going to vote the party line. Tragic. Right? I'm not going to be mentally and emotionally engaged in the process. I'm just going to put this thing down and I'm going to check out. And what happens when you check out? Well, that's when it is the oligarchy and the ruling class gets to push you any way they want to push you. And then, boom, right down the tight cycle you go from bondage back to bondage. It's absolutely guaranteed unless the individual in their liberty through civil discourse and conversation, good, strong intellectual rigor, pushes back against it by doing exactly what is we're doing here. But, you know, you, you can, okay, so dissension. You can argue that that's, that's everybody, individual's right to do as they please. And they, they may feel that that is expressing their rights. And Absolutely. You, 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 I, I get but, what you're but saying. But no one has the right to do as they please. Within. Uh, what right. do you mean? Because uh, I, I, I have the right to go kill people? I, uh, that pleases well, me. Well, of course, you know, we have. You have the choice, <laughs> too. Well, <laughs> right. You, but no, but you, you do don't have. Please within limitations. Yeah, well, with you consequences. Can't, you can't. Consequences. Right. Let's not talk over each other real quick. Um, Go ahead. Uh, you have rights as long as they don't infringe on somebody else's rights. The reason right. I can't go and murder somebody is not because somebody said murder is wrong. It's because me killing John results in John not being able to uh, have life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. <laughs> okay. I guess uh, I'm okay. sorry. I didn't mean anything personal by that. I just said John is in like. No. <laughs> I've never seen him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say gonna I disagree with you, Bob, on the statement where you said me killing John is not wrong. Uh, that, that's, that's, <laughs> it just went to another that, level. Yeah, well, I mean, here's, here's our contention. Yeah. How many um, ways? But the, but the, but, issue, but the issue of liberty is that, is that your right to be you is also my right to be free from you. 
And that's not my byline, that's an Andrew Wilkow thing. That is absolutely essential. I agree. It, and, and in that contention, though, it's we have the, the ability to make choices. Anything we do, anything and everything we do is a choice from our actions. Somewhere along the line, and I, I have my own opinions on where that somewhere actually is, we forgot how to lose. Mm. You know, we talked mm. a little bit earlier about, you know, if, if we're going to come to a head, somebody's got to be a loser, somebody's got to be a winner. Uh, we don't keep score anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Everybody gets a medal. You know, we, yeah. we forgot how to lose. It's, it's just simply put, sometimes you're going to win, sometimes you're going to lose. I remember being a kid, and I, and I am like, I'm probably the worst guy in the world to actually talk to in sports analogies. Because when it comes to sports, my eyes glaze over, and I'm just like, Ugh. Uh, when I was very little, I tried um, football, baseball. I could hit the ball. I could tackle people. Uh, my parents put me in martial arts when I was very young because I was an angry young ginger. Imagine that. Typical, yeah, typical ginger, angry young man. Uh, but um, I never did well in team sports, never did. Uh, I just couldn't get into it. And now, after having seen my own children go through some of those, we, we did, to your point there, Bill, um, everybody gets a medal. I remember when Luke was in uh, the local basketball thing way back when he was young, uh, at the end, they were giving out the little awards to everybody. I think they got a little duffel bag thing and a little water cooler or whatever. Every single team got the same thing. Mm -hmm. Luke knew his team was the absolute bottom rung. These kids do keep score. They keep track. Mm -hmm. They called up his team. He's like, why do we get anything? We were the worst in this. We didn't. And he wouldn't take it. He, he went up and said, no, I didn't earn this. I don't want it. Um, I, I don't know. I just think we, as a society, somewhere we drop the ball in a serious, serious way. Um, Bill, I kind of uh, went over you. Could you continue with your thought there? You were saying it would do what you please, and I, I, I stepped over that, and the conversation got very big. It's so that talked about that murdering thought. John. I'm spewing it out. I don't. I'm, I'm so far thinking ahead after what Peter's been talking about. I, you know, I helped start AYSO soccer here in Illinois in 1976. We kept score. Yeah. All right, then then all of a sudden, that was when I was in high school, and then I get older, married, have kids, and by the time I have kids there in AYSO, we're not keeping score anymore. But you're right. All the kids kept score. All the kids know, knew who won Otherwise, and who what's lost. The point? So it's, yeah, exactly. Why do, we, why do we as parents continue to try to emphasize that? That's not what's important, you know. Uh, but then we turn around and say it is important when it comes to education. Work hard, study, 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 study. You need to get this, and you need to acquire this level, and pressure, pressure, pressure. Des Clark was on the show, and he uh, he said this 12-year-old caught him on this. He said that the, the math teacher was talking to the classroom, and he turned around and he, he put the nines table on the, the board. It's zero times nine is zero. One times nine is nine. Two times nine is 16. Three times nine is 26. Four times nine is, is 36. And he went on down the list. And at, at 
three times nine is 26, the kids all started laughing. He turned around and he said, what's wrong? And they said, uh, he's, they said you got one wrong. He said, yeah, but I got nine right. Hmm. You know, we are, we are trained to focus on the mistakes or the problems, yeah. and we lose sight of all the good things that are going on out there. Instead of encouraging the, the happy part of it, you know, yeah, I, I got an F, I got 50% wrong. Well, you got 50% right, it's a start. <laughs> right. yeah, I would, go ahead, Tom. I'm sorry. No. I, no, would, no. I would go with the other side of that coin, too, expanding on what you said, Peter, that we've forgotten how to lose. And, you know, when I was a kid, geez, into my 40s, I played competitive everything I could, everything that they'd let me play. I would argue we've also forgotten how to win. And mm, here's what I point. mean by that. Back in my day, and probably everybody else is here, you played a game, if you won, you didn't rub in anybody's face. You know, you, you, you just, that, that was the game. That's why you kept score, because there is a winner and there is a loser every time. Conversely, if you lost, you didn't know the difference uh, physically. You, you, you played your best game, you did the best <coughs> you could, didn't work out this time, we'll try it again next week. So I don't know you've forgotten how to win with grace and honor. If you think about it, the-, the, the Just watch a football game. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and, and those kids that we've done a huge disservice to by giving up a, a trophy for showing up, because now they're walking around, hey, look at me. I won. Did you really? So I think, I think you can argue on both sides of that, that yeah, we don't know how to lose anymore. We don't, we don't know how to win anymore. Well, then how do we get back to, and I'm not suggesting we go back to the way things were 40 or 50 years ago. I don't know that I personally would be displeased with that, but that's not where we live today. How do we get to a point that winning is not bad and losing is not failing? Profit's not a dirty word. Exactly, exactly. If you can, if you can reach that point and say, whether it's an argument, whether it's a game, whether it's in anything, that you walk away from the table regardless of what side you were on. Did I learn something? Do I, am I taking away something? Because regardless of what happened, I don't care if I won it or if I lost it, the results for me personally should be basically the same. Because if I, if I win, that doesn't mean I'm going to win every time. If I lose, do I quit playing? And that's the lesson I think we're losing. I'd like to uh, spin off of that a little bit. Um, I know this is a little bit of a tangent, so if uh, I get too off track, please stop me. But go. But and here it comes. <laughs> but I would like to uh, spin off a little bit on that. We've forgotten how to lose. Uh, when we come into a conversation, nobody's going to win a hundred percent of the time. Right. And uh, when you have the whole marketplace of ideas. You can't. Uh, you, you have to remember that you're going to lose <laughs> some of the battles. Take your favorite philosophers, whether it's Kant, whether it's Hegel, whether it's uh, Thoreau. They're not right about every single issue, and that's where that's where we sometimes get lost. Is that we have forgotten how to lose, and we have forgotten that we are going to lose mm -hmm. some of the battles. We can't win a hundred percent of the time. When we and the real winner is both of us walk away with a better understanding of how things are supposed to go and how things are supposed to work. The current state of youth coaching, and I've I've been coaching since 1988. I've coached over 5,000 athletes. I look at what's happening out there today. Going back to soccer, when you had a <laughs> two or three goal lead in soccer, you kind of took the pressure off. Today, 
there's no worries about running the score up 12, 15 goals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and just, you know, rubbing it on, getting the ball, and every time running up and down the floor. Well, a few years ago, I, I got up four goals. I was coaching up in Richmond. So I quietly pulled a player off the field, which is, you know, my philosophy. Didn't make a big deal out of it, but instead of six, I had five, and, and they had six. Well, I'm, the game's going on, and we still have the upper hand, but we're not scoring goals anymore. We can't control. I hear it behind me, psst, coach, coach, psst. I turn around. One of the parents had walked all the way around the field, and she, and she goes, you're short a player. <laughs> well, always a parent willing to help you know, out. Right. And the, the point is, is you know, I'm trying to keep the gentleman aspect of the sport in the game, and this isn't what they want. <laughs> they want run that score up, push them down, you know. And it's like that's that's not it. Win, lose with honor, win with humility is a lesson that my athletes will always get. I will never change that. You never coach a game to lose. But you can learn more from a loss than you can from any victory that you. Well, and we learn. You you bring up a good point. We learn initially from our parents, right? How to act, react, think, and and, and, don't get beat. You know, right? But you know, you're right. I I, when I coached for many years and and um, refereed and ran divisions uh, anyway, so it it was amazing uh, the uh, parental participation levels, uh, to put it kindly. uh, just incredible how uh, the things that parents would say and shout and do, and mm-hmm. whether it's foul language and yelling at their kid or yelling at the coach or yelling at the referee or yelling at you know the play and uh, uh, and some of the words that came out. And I actually had one woman who um, I spent Saturday from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. and Sunday 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. every week for eight ten weeks uh, each year. And I had a parent actually come up to me and say, you know. You're terrible. You're you you suck at what you do, and and I, I can't believe what are you even doing out here? And it's like I'm volunteering. I'm out here, you know, twelve <laughs> hours a day, two days a week, volunteering to help your kid and all the other kids out here for nothing. And you just come out just to give me a hard time. I appreciate that. Thanks so much. Nice talking to you. Yeah, here have this. You want to listen? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, but that stuff goes on all sports, all the time, different levels. You you see it everywhere. I've seen it. You know, and it transfers into, because these kids, believe it or not, become contributing members of society as they get older. And, and they've the learned lessons this pattern. Learn. Now, I've seen coaches who say, well, I teach life. I'm like, well, no, I teach soccer. I teach basketball. But during the course of teaching soccer and teaching basketball or baseball or track and field or any of the other sports I've coached over the years, they're going to run into life lessons. They're going to run into these challenges. And our purpose is to get them through their challenges. But today, mom and dad want to, you know, they want to pick them up every time they fall down. And going back to, I think you might have said it earlier, John, on, on, or Bob, one of you, on failing, you know, failure is just a path to success. But today, oh no, they scrape their knees. Oh, you know, Johnny's not getting the play in time. And that is, I understand that to a point. Because um, as a parent, you, you are so protective and, and that protective nature as a parent is on 24-7, it never shuts off. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, it, it came crashing down on, on us. No, I, I don't know, I'm overemphasizing that. In nowhere near the family that this just occurred to. Um, my oldest son, Cody, uh, had had a relationship with uh, a young lady a few years ago. And, and they did go their separate ways after she joined the Peace Corps. And she's been over in Africa, over in Kosros, 
uh, for I think a, a little over a year and a half, and um, you know doing very well. Uh, there there was no animosity. Cody actually became extremely good friends during the course of that relationship uh, with her brother or sister, her parents. Uh, he's been in another relationship for over a year and a half now, uh, which is going phenomenally well. But my point to all this is, and as a parent being protective, is that young lady got sick on Monday this week and died on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, her parents are here. Her family is here. Uh, she did have plenty of people that she she had actually had a relationship over there with a fellow there were plenty of people who were there who were friends who loved her so as a parent you know and that's an extreme situation an extreme example and now everybody is oh gee thanks Pete for bringing up death what a what a great way to just drive the very first podcast we're doing right now. Yeah, thank you all for listening. But again you know you get back to the point here real quick is as a parent, I get how difficult it is to turn off or dial back that protective nature. I have a son who lives in downtown Chicago uh, going to school and a daughter who now lives uh, at a at college in Indiana. Um, those are not far, far away, but you know, to know that should something happen, all I can do is be a text away, a phone call away, jump in the car, do whatever, but there's a finite limit to that. And, uh, you know, my kids are now well gone beyond the point of can I pick them up every time they scrape a knee or what have you. But should we as parents even be doing that? There, there is, I mean, I'm, my dad's philosophy was, <laughs> you won't do that again, will you? Rub mm-hmm. some dirt in, you know, right? Back when, you know, there was once upon a time uh, a 40-pound TV sitting on a, uh, a dinner tray, a fold-out dinner tray. Eh, well, you know, he'll pull it down once. He won't do that again. Um, yeah. When, when we grew up, we would just, everybody be outside all the time. Right. You could be anywhere. Right. You could be miles from home. You know, pick up games. Basketball, baseball, kickball, whatever. Right. You know, now you, you, you don't, let, you don't let your kid out and go more block away. And I don't care if they're eighth graders. You know, it's, it's, you, they, everything is organized. Everything has to be preset and, and organized and Everybody's got their their outlook books, you know, to, to, to figure out the scheduling and everything. Um, it, there's no, the, not the freedom anymore. It's it's all predetermined. May Preset. I just uh, jump in with yeah, go ahead, Dan. Two comments here. Uh, one thing, um, uh, and I'll this is, it goes back to civil tension. Bob mentioned, you know, that that the uh, half the art of listening or half the art of of conversation is listening. 50-50. I think it's more than that. Mm-hmm. I think you have to listen more than you talk. If you don't listen, you're not going to understand what that person is saying. And the second point is, we have a number of people who have coached here, and I've coached. I coached here before I had a son. And the, the thing is that these kids who are looking up to us as role models, as a coach, you say to yourself, okay, what am I gonna teach this kid? Yes, I'm gonna teach him basketball. I'm gonna teach him football. I'm gonna teach him the rudiments of the game. But I'm also gonna teach him in that course, and somebody mentioned it earlier, I'm gonna teach him in that course of that period of time that he's with me, certain points of life. 
And if he doesn't know what's going on, then he's going to come to me and say, what, what am I doing wrong? Just like he's going to say, okay, I'm not hitting the ball, coach. What should I be doing? Well, you got to change your stance a little bit. And it's the same with conversation. You have to listen a little more before you can talk. And I've been sitting here quietly listening. So I'm just, and that's why I wanted to jump in now. So. <laughs> and, and Dan, you go ahead and introduce yourself real quick if you want. Well, my name is, I'm Dan Swiak. I'm, I'm just, uh, uh, I'm, I'm retired now, uh, um, uh, but I'm also a writer and, and have done uh, uh, some script work and things like that. Um, the, I was in several different businesses over, over the course of my, uh, my career, but the, I've only, and I've been in McHenry 40 years, 40 years, and I can't tell you how many people I know on one hand by their name. I mean, I, there are some, yes, I know, and I know them very well, but it's not through my relationship necessarily with them. And that's why I appreciate the, the morning sessions we have here on Fridays, because when I was invited in, which my son is not here this morning, but he invited me in, and he said, why don't you come on down and see if you like, would like to, to join this kind of discussion. And it, to me, it's, uh, it's very, very important to have this kind of a discussion because you're not only sitting here, you're not, you're not sitting with a device and you're not tapping on keys, you're looking at that person face to face. You're looking in their eyes. You're seeing what it is they are saying to you through their eyes and through their lips if you're listening but if you don't listen you're not going to, you know you're not going to you're not going to be able to speak to their point bouncing off of uh, freedom of speech and that we all enjoy in this room uh, there are places around the world that don't enjoy that uh, one of them is the, uh, the theocratic state of Iran um, Iran uh, this um, recently has a uh, I've uh, seen a lot of protests, a lot of uh, pro-democracy protests, and people who are upset with the status quo um, in regards to things that are going on there. Now, we have to ask ourselves, uh, what is the United States' role in Iran, and if, if any? I'm probably I'm going to be very contentious right now. <laughs> and here's, here's what I will tell you: what what I feel uh, the United States' role is in Iran, there is no role. Uh, my my own personal view is, and, and you know, I've actually been called by my own children a xenophobe, and I'm not. Uh, my my mother and her family are all immigrants. It's not our job as a nation to. Uh, police control nor support the other nations of the world they need if you're going to be a nation and you're going to be sovereign in my own personal opinion stand on your own two damn feet if you're not happy with the, what your nation and what your government or or whatever they are doing stand up and, and change that that's how the united states itself came about that's a pretty simplistic viewpoint. It's well, an incredibly simplistic <laughs> viewpoint. But, but, to, but it's, it's simplistic on purpose. It, and I know that it's probably overly simplistic, but... To, to, just ahead, to Tim. build on that, the alcoholic doesn't know he's an alcoholic and, and, and doesn't need your help 
doesn't want your help until he realizes he needs to make changes in his life and then he will ask you into his life to make changes. We take this big brother attitude that we can go change the world. Well, if the world wants to change, if they want our help, let them ask us. Yeah, I, and know, I agree with that. Uh, Iran doesn't want our help. No, they've they said that for many, many years. Well, they've been shooting each other over there or stabbing or cutting each other's heads off for 2,500 years. We got that going well, on here in Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> Why do we think we can go in there and change that? Why is our way of life right and their way of life wrong? Uh, we, we, we shouldn't be doing that just because it, it doesn't... We don't have a role in Iran unless they come to us collectively as a, and say, hey, we need your help. And then we can go in, and then they're going to be more willing to change at the same time. That's how we got started, right? Well, it, it is. We went to, we went yeah. to what, go into the last place, the Netherlands, yeah. to borrow the money to get this country started. Because nobody else would do it. Yeah. The Netherlands and France. We right. would not have won the Revolutionary War had it not been for France. Mm -hmm. right. 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 I don't know that people even know that anymore today. They certainly don't seem to be teaching it. But Well, why do you think there's a Statue of Liberty? That relationship we had with France yeah. <laughs> you know, brought the Statue of Liberty to yeah. America. Mm -hmm. Right. And on the back, there's a treasure map that Nicholas Cage uses to uh, find, the, uh, yeah, <laughs> find the Declaration of Independence. It's all because of France. Uh, wow, this is uh, turning out movie. to be a lot less contentious than I thought. Because well, it is our first one, and you know, I know that maybe maybe this is a little watered down, but um, again, no topic is off the table. If you want to get more contentious, we've got about 15 minutes left of recording well, time. So, with regards to Iran, I, I don't know that there is an actual role for the United States to actually be involved over there. Unless we had to defend ourselves, there's no other reason. Boot, boots on the ground, whatever the case may be, operatives, whatever it is you want to call it. It is important, however, that if you do have people that are suing for, for democracy, if they're suing for those values that we hold dear, and I don't have any issue with saying that our Constitution, I believe in American exceptionalism. I believe in American exceptionalism because of our Constitution, because of the rights that we have been endowed with, given to us by our Creator, right? confirmed in our sure. founding documents. It's okay for a foreign nation to go through a series of upheaval and trial and tribulation trying to establish that which perhaps we have ourselves and for us to say if that is what they want we would support that we it's okay to say this is right and this is wrong there's a big difference between listening to someone and being open to a conversation and saying I don't believe that what I'm saying is right I don't know anyone in this world, I, certainly I haven't, and Bob hasn't, and he's about to whack me anyway. <laughs> I've never said anything in open air that I didn't think was right at the time. That doesn't mean I don't have the opportunity to adjust it, change it, tweak it as, as I grow up, as I have different experiences. I've been exposed to different people, some people more different than others, Bob, going. <laughs> but the point is, our previous administration, these same protests were getting off the ground under the previous administration, and the previous administration was silent on the matter of them suing for their rights and their liberties. That's wrong. We need to be that city on a hill to which people look as the example 
And people say, I want to emulate those parts of the United States that are consistent within my culture, within our mores, within who it is we are. Again, we don't. I don't take every part of Arthur Laffer's economic belief system and adopt it and take it in. I take those parts that I can accept that make sense to me and other parts I throw away. If there are parts of our system that people want to adopt and bring into their own and make their own, more power to them. But that's up to them. But we should not be silent on the matter of, if we believe this is the right way to be, then we should speak to that issue. I wouldn't go as far as to putting people on the ground in those nations, toppling regimes, i.e., like George Soros tried to do recently in Hungary, and like they're trying to do right now in Hungary, Mm -hmm. like they're trying to do in Poland, like they're trying to do in some of the Czech republics. Why? Because they don't want all the mass immigration that the rest of Western Europe is willing to accept. And so what are we doing? We're getting with non-governmental organizations, NGOs, we're getting involved over there, funded by Soros, and trying to affect elections and topple governments. Barack Obama did that with Israel. And now we're all up in, uh, up, up in arms because possibly Russia might have tried to do it to us. Well, gosh, what do you big, think? Big, this is the world, surprise, guys. Yeah. Big surprise. Let me dig down and find my surprise face. Yeah. Somebody's got to pay. <laughs> We've done that um, in everywhere, awesome. and, um, everywhere, South America, um, uh, going all the way back to uh, when McNamara ran the uh, uh, Defense Department, even before that when uh, we had a group in the CIA. We've been meddling in a lot of countries, um, and it goes back even further than that. If you want to take a look at the Middle East, uh, the history of United States meddling in the Middle East uh, begins really with the uh, with um, the um, Treaty of Versailles and the end of World War One, when we divided up the Ottoman Empire without asking one Muslim what they wanted or what they thought. We totally ignored the Kurds. We helped. Uh, we helped who we wanted to help and we hurt who we wanted her without really caring and now we're seeing paying the paying the piper because we see now where the whole region is uh destabilized and the united states um does have some blame to shoulder in that well, it's not because we were wrong it's they, they still just don't get it <laughs> uh. well, see, that's kind of where i go a little bit out of, out of line with you here john in that I, I agree a thousand percent. What we have here is better than any place in the world. Um, but I'm also a big believer of, and, and this has to do with having a business. If you know, if somebody said, if you need help, ask for it. If you don't prove it, right. until Iran or whatever country says, hey, you know what? I like what you guys are doing there. I like your model. Can you help us? Mm-hmm. Up to that point, unless I'm defending myself, I have nothing to say. And there's a big difference in, yeah. and there's a big difference in, in in coming out and saying that those folks should sue for the type of government that they want. If it's a democracy, that's sure. what it is. There's a big difference between coming out in favor of that mm-hmm. versus actually going and making material efforts and and, and efforts to change sure. without being invited in. Exactly. On that, we agree. Sure. So that that's a very fine line that I, I would I draw. Get you. I get you, and and, and again, I'm. I support their right to get what they want. Mm-hmm. And, and if it's something that they can accomplish by themselves, more power to them. If it's not and you need my help, I'm here to help. But I'm not about to go across the, across the world and, and uh, intimidate you into doing what I think is better. That's kind of, right. that's kind of the, the line I stand on. Well, 
You're, you're about to challenge my line, aren't you? Well, here's, I mean, I can't let's get a little contentious now. Here's the deal. Ginger just went red. Uh, I, <laughs> maybe that's where this is coming from. Again, and, and this is going to be, Bill, a very simplistic view. If if my goal is to go over and impose my will, mm-hmm. and and Bob, to your point about uh, you know the end of, of uh, uh, the war and splitting up the Ottoman Empire, to the victor go the spoils. If if you're going to war and your purpose is not to defend yourself, mm-hmm. but to conquer and acquire. You plant your flag, and then that is now yours. It is that is the purpose of if you are not the, if you're not on the defense side, if you're on the side of offense, which I guess is a bit of a sports analogy coming from probably the only guy in the room. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> this is a big big leap for me to make there. If if you're on the offense and you are going out to conquer. You own it. If you win, you own it. It's yours. Now you plant your will. So, again, if very simplistic, now we're not going over there, Mm -hmm. supposedly, with that intent. We are trying currently in this wonderful world of terrorism we have going on here. We're we're trying to be the, like Tim said, the big brother of the world. And, And in Iran, they're dealing with their own situation, and I do agree. We've got no business going over there. If if our intent is not to make Iran another portion of the United States, stay out of it. It's not it's not our thing until they come, as Tim said and said, we're really struggling with this. We we need some help. Would you please come help mm-hmm. us do yeah. this? Mm-hmm. But and I and I agree with the you know, the analogy to the victor go the spoils, but does that mean that I go into because I put my flag down on your highest mountain, that I'm going to change your culture. Yes. How it means, would we feel? Oh, you mean, <laughs> how would uh, we feel? If someone came here and did that, I can, I, I'll be one of the first people to stand up and say, oh, no, you're not. But they won the war. But they won the war, but I'm going to fight okay. against it. Well, that, and that's but my again, point. again, that's, that's a defense standpoint. Sure. But if this is what you're going to do and your intent is to go over and to conquer, and you plant that flag, and now you are taking it uh, upon yourself. If you are now uh, being incumbent to say, we have conquered you, this is now the way this is going to be. Welcome to our world. But you're saying, okay, so that's satisfaction. Are you satisfied that you don't need to go out and grow? You don't need to develop anymore. You don't need to expand anymore. Yes. You know, because, because that's all the things we're taught growing up, right? Expand your mind, expand. learn more, grow more. Cultures, uh, and languages, grow foods. or die. Yeah, yeah, you know. And don't get me wrong. I'm I'm saying this is my opinion as far as. Well, of course, that's what we're here for. That's but here for. I am I am not <coughs> of a warring mindset. I am not going to go out and uh, as much of a ginger as I am. I'm not going to come conquer you. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's not like, that that's not where that's not a place I'm coming from. I'm just saying if that's what you're going to do, if that's a position you're going to take own it. But give consideration to the fact that that is, and you're talking about something within the context of a hot war. Yes. That, that exact thing is occurring right now in the United States in the form of a cold war. If you think that that is not what is occurring with regards to the left in this country, and they are saying that this is the way it is it's going to be. 
you will accept this. You will accept that. And this brings us back to the where it is we began. Where we started this. You will accept this. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you will not be allowed to survive. You will not be allowed to pray in your schools. You will not be allowed to own firearms. You will not be allowed to have the Ten Commandments posted or in public view. Even though, if, even if it was privately funded, the, this is the direction that it's going. You will accept what it is we want you to accept, and your liberties matter squat jack nothing. Just read 1984. Boom. <laughs> and that's the and that Just is exactly but that is exactly what is occurring. So when we ask the question, that's how cool. would we feel if someone tried that here? Well. <laughs> Uh, gents, hate to tell you this, but it is happening. And I knew you would take and it, it as soon as I it said it. And it is already <laughs> occurring. We are in the throes of it, and we have a choice. Right. This republic will continue on as a republic with liberty intact, or it will go the direction of abject tyranny. Mm -hmm. And you can say that it will be because of the communists, the fascists, what have you. Aside from a few minor points of immigration, they're exactly the same. Bang. End of that conversation right there. We will either be liberty-loving, or we will be subject to tyranny. That's abs because this thing cannot continue. That is their objective. And and that I think brings us right to the whole circle. Tune in next week. Tune right? in next week. Oh, uh, good good job. Now yeah, uh, now your phone's going to show up on the podcast recording there. Bob. 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 That was Bob. Bob. <laughs> we we can edit it. <laughs> we can edit Bob. But. You know, again, this is this podcast we've decided to call Civil Tension is exactly for this reason because we are not my my ideology in in all of this is to not bring and not react and not be in the position of a hot war. But to John's point, the reason we have this podcast is so that we can demonstrate that we can have these conversations and that it's okay to have differing viewpoints and differing opinions and that yes we're going to have some winners we're going to have some losers but as a society as a whole i do think that there still is opportunity for this republic our society here mm -hmm. in the united states to continue as a true republic where we get to engage in the rights that we have defined through our constitution and again, you know, one of George Carlin things. I, I wish that guy was still alive. I absolutely right. love. He's alive comedy. right here. Yeah, right here, right here. Um, you know, he he pointed he pointed out in one of his bits is that we actually don't have any rights. We have privileges, because anything that someone tells you is a right yet can be taken away is a privilege taken away and either sold back to you or taken away and being dissolved. It's a privilege. So we do have. We do have to make that distinction as to what is truly a right and, this, and decide, yes, we accept this and what is a privilege and acknowledge that and say, okay, I get it. It's a privilege and if I choose not to behave in this manner conducive to the society we have built and, can, and are continuing to building, continuing to build, I'm going to lose that privilege. It's also an issue as to where it is that determination, what level of government that determination is made. Those determinations are oftentimes, and 99% of the time, are not to be made at the federal level. They're to be made at the state level and even at the local level. Yep. If you want to be a liberal county or a liberal state and spend yourself into oblivion and somehow sustain that, more power to you. 
California can do what California wants to do so long as it's not at the peril of Texas or Florida or any other state in the form of federal grants supporting. Go do what you need to do. That's okay. But for it to be a one-size-fits-all and you must absolutely win or lose, and if you lose, you're a body on the floor, that's not acceptable and not sustainable. And there, we're going to draw to a conclusion. I've got less than, than 30 seconds left here on recording time today. Thank you all very much for joining me for this very first podcast. And I really you. appreciate you being here. Thank Bob you, Peter. And Tim yeah, thank you, and Peter. Bill and Dan and co-host John and Tom. Thank you very much. Have a wonderful day. Simple tension.